The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you on Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, plenty to dive into. Some thoughts on the Nebraska defense post-spring. Where can this unit go? We'll dive in with Mike Babcock from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Some golf thoughts with Mike Shuhart. Shuey back with us. And one hour from now, uh, our conversation with DiCaprio Boodle, part of the Kansas City Chiefs now. A uh, fantastic career with Nebraska. And DiCaprio's always kind of done things the hard way on his own. And that's grinding away to uh, to make plays and find time on the field. He has earned every inch that he's gotten in life. And he's a remarkable story. So we'll spend some time with DiCap. And a jock doc. Numbers to get in. Join us today on Hale Varsity. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. And find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Hail Varsity Radio. Before the 5 o'clock hour, your chance to qualify for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. The 21st of May is when we give this grill away from Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop. It's a Weber. It's a Spirit E210. They'll get you some rub. We'll get you a brush to make sure it's... I like a little charredness on my grates, but uh, too much is not a good thing. So you get a brush to, to, to keep your grill clean. A $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center to spruce up the backyard. And a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. That will put meat on said grill. Where are you at with finals, Elijah? Are you ready to fire the grill up and drink a Corona? I'm so close. I have one left to do. That's it. That's it. So I'm like, I, I, it's a... Uh, Is it one you got to like nail? <laughs> I think I, I did the math and I think I finished with an A in the class as long as I get like a B minus or higher on the final. So don't have to nail it, but I have to put in a little bit of effort. Yeah, I was talking to Junior yesterday, mm-hmm. picking him up from practice and like, so dude, how was your math test? Because his mother is like on this witch hunt that he's a straight A kid. And he has some of my DNA, so there's oh, that's problematic. He's smart enough to, to pull off the, the perfect 4.0, and he's pretty much breezed through school doing it. Now he's in some diff stuff, and he's had to work a little bit, and then he's got complacent thanks to putting his feet up last year with the old pandemic and the distance learning, which means, oh, I don't have to turn assignments in, and it won't matter. Well, he's had a little problem with turning assignments in, 
And he's like, well, yeah, Dad, I, I nailed the new stuff in his math, and it's probably building rocket ships, the kids and stuff that I still could never pass mathematically. It's like, but, but, but the stuff I was supposed to remember, yeah, I got a C-plus on that. <laughs> I about high-fived and said, hey, C-plus, good enough, you know, C is for cookie, good enough for me in math. <laughs> I'm sure his mom would, would just went off on him. So, so he's just taking that old math information, overwriting it with the new math information? That's what he's spending time on between trying to buy Air Jordans and Yeezys and, you know, figuring out who to, who to light up on Call of Duty. So... There's a little parenting fumble on my part there. How, how many weeks does LPS have left now? It's like two? I think, I think May 20th. They're, May, they're so, done. So like what, 15 days, two weeks? So are we going to have an answer on Aaron Rodgers before or after LPS gets done? Oh, I, I think the strong favorite's got to be after. Well, we're saying June. We're, I'm saying June. June's well, what makes most, most sense to me. We will uh, hear from our friends, Mark Tauscher. He's been on the show with us before. Uh, former Badger, former Packer. And he had uh, Brett Favre on his show on ESPN Wisconsin earlier today. We'll get to that here in a moment. want to dive into some defensive thoughts. So uh, Adam Rittenberg is out with kind of a, a futures top 25 when it comes to defenses. And with that said, the, their, their future rankings look at the, the, the top 25 best defenses over the next three seasons. They're projecting 2021, 2022, 2023. And some teams on here that that haven't been mentioned or ranked include Iowa State. You have uh, your your normal staples, Clemson and Alabama and, and Auburn. You have some teams that have made a jump defensively. Texas A&M is up to four. Ohio State's there. And, and there's quite a few Big Ten teams. Rittenberg's saying, look, the next three seasons, these teams will be top 25 good. They've got Ohio State in at number five as, as a projected top five defense for next year. Despite what they lost, they have some coming back. Wisconsin was able to rain, uh, retain Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator. Uh, they've got a couple of, of outside linebackers that return. Wisconsin does. Iowa's in there. I know they lost some draft prospects as well, but Iowa's always kind of just reloaded on the offensive and defensive line. Northwestern, despite Petty Fisher uh, finally exhausting his eligibility, being there 27 years, uh, you, you do have uh, one of that trio of linebackers back, and I know you lost Newsom as well at corner, but Fitzy's recruited well, and I think Northwestern's defense is is pretty uh, pretty well set. Ohio uh, Penn State's in the, in at number seventeen as a projection, and Michigan just sneaks in in at number twenty four. Even though Don Brown is left to go to Arizona, you've got a new young defensive coordinator. They think Oregon could be good. Luke Fickle's killing it at Cincinnati with what he has defensively. LSU's there, and what you've got to have to win a national championship. It's no different. 25 years ago as it is today. I know offenses and quarterbacks dominate, but you need the ability to get a stop, and there's a couple of games a year 
you at least need your defense making a play situationally or if your offense doesn't show up or if it's sluggish or sputters or say you're LSU in 2019 and you only put up, dare I say, 38 points one game, you need to hold the opposition to 35, right? And I think I look at Nebraska, two questions I have. A, what 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 is the defense going to have to do next fall, right? Where's the defense going to have to be uh, from a point total? And to me, it, it just feels like about every Big Ten game is going to be 24-21. Aside from Ohio State, honestly, that's just how it is. And I know Nebraska in one of their wins, I mean, they scored damn near 40 points against Purdue, Right, that was a 47-27, uh, excuse me, 37-27 ball game. And and Purdue got got hot in the second half. Penn State scored 23 points. Nebraska won by a touchdown 30 to 20 23. You had a, a scoop and score by Deontay Williams. And and then Illinois went off on you for 41 points. You did you did enough well against Northwestern and Iowa defensively, with special teams that punched you in the face, honestly. More so uh, to me in, in those two games. So, A, what's what's the number for Nebraska defensively uh, to, to you know, points allowed a game? What are you going to get from your offense? We've always kind of just said, well, they should be putting up mid-30s. Nebraska has struggled post-Polini. Doesn't matter who's wearing the headset to put up anything – above 24 points it feels like <laughs> they just they just have so does that mean your defense has got to be right there at that 24 point threshold can you get better on third down that's the goal are you going to be better at tackles for loss sacks and tfls to make it second and 15 second and 12 and then the takeaway uh part of it right nebraska has been pretty good in the secondary but they, they can get better and uh, there are some candidates to, to replace our future guest here, DiCaprio Boodle, at that opposite cornerback spot. So, listen, you look at the rotation as you kind of peg in starters with Robinson and, and, and Daniels and Stilly. And, and then the thing that I'm encouraged about, if I'm Nebraska, is the names you have. Uh, we talk about a rotation of six on the defensive line, and you have some young guys like a Nash Huttmacher on the defensive line. You have a Casey Rogers that's done really well here. Uh, you've got JoJo and, and Garrett uh, that have played a lot of football. And and you had good finales in the spring game with Caleb Tanner and Blaze Gunnerson and Jamari Butler. He had a sack as well. And then you got Feldarius Payne, right? Feldarius feels like a guy that can get off the edge and get off the ball on third down. It's not... All right, dude, you're Randy Gregory. Go kill the quarterback. It's not one guy you're putting all your chips in. You have options with guys that can emerge and some guys that have played some football. Now, is Nebraska's defense good enough to be a top 25 squad next season? A, will they have to be? B, can they be a a top 25 defense? I feel good about how they are against the run. You talk about shaving off almost two yards per carry last season. I think they can only be better. I, I think in, I think losing Will Honus sucks, but they have options at the inside backer spot. Do they get better on third down against some quality teams? That's, that's big, right? I mean, I know the third down conversion 
success rate wasn't good early. They got better as the year went on. They're going to ball out for Chenander and Fisher and the rest of their position coaches on that side of the ball. But what's their reality here this fall? We'll talk with Babbers about that. You know, I don't know that they're going to be good enough to be a, a top 25. I think they can be, even if they get around that 30 number, right, if, if they're a top 30 defense, assuming you get a bit of a jump from the offense, to me that's more the unknown. You feel good about the defense. You think that the, the strength of this team can be the defense with some guys developing and some seasoned starters back, Elijah. I don't know what they're going to have to hold teams to, and I don't know what the offense will give them, but you got to have more complimentary football in 2021. Well, when you go back and look at the stats in 2020, you have to keep in mind it's an all-Big Ten schedule. You're not, you don't have those warm-up games where you get to pad your stats a little bit. The Nebraska it's more defense, of a reality look. I mean, the Nebraska defense allowed pretty much 30 points a game, just under 30 points a game, and the offense put up almost 24 points a game. So losing every game by a touchdown, by one possession. I mean, and, and you got to keep in mind there's some outliers in there. You got the Ohio State game's a bit of an outlier. That's uh, a 52 point total. Illinois scored 41 on you. Yeah. So you you have those games, but still, I'd say if you even throw those out, you're looking at the Husker defense giving up somewhere between 24 and 28 points a game. Husker offense putting up 24, so it's close. And, and we can all see that Husker offense last year as being objectively pretty bad. It was, to, it, it was inconsistent. It wasn't reliable. Compared to the rest of the Big Ten's offenses, the, the offenses I saw on display, I would call that offense last year on the lower the lower half of things sure. of the Big Ten. Lower tier, big time, easy, yeah. L- lower tier. So if they can make a jump, this defense doesn't have to improve that much. If the Husker offense can improve their point total by three, four points a game, and the Husker defense can improve their point total by three, four, three, four points a game, you're looking at going eight and four as opposed to three and five. That's one drive where you get off the field. That's one drive where you get points. That's one kickoff or punt return that doesn't get to the 40 or 50 or taken to the house. Look, we just solved the, the world's problems <laughs> with Nebraska football. It's close. It's close. I mean, and when you go actually dive into the stats themselves, Nebraska was allowing an average of 170 yards per game on the ground. Mm-hmm. Cut that down by 15, 20 yards, down to 150 yards per game. You're looking better, uh, especially that, I mean, that could be one drive. That could be one run, a game, Well, uh, where, where you're, you're stopping a defense on second and long from reeling off that 15-yard draw play. And, and, I, and, and things just look a little bit different. It's close. I'm interested, too. We're talking points off turnovers, right? <laughs> you eliminate some of your own turnovers on offense, and you eliminate that turnover happening on a short field where the opposing offense takes over because of a defensive play and they have 50 yards or less to go. That's the other part of this that screwed Nebraska was there, there wasn't too many teams that got the ball at the 25 and, and converted five first downs and, and slammed it down their throat, right? It was either a big play, but we're not talking – epic 12 plays 75 yard drives to go punch you in the face it was usually a short field there was a penalty or there was some sort of third down conversion where it was third and 11 and get your ass off the field and for some reason either the other team made a play there was a penalty it it didn't happen Uh, what is going to happen in green bay we'll spend some time on that because you've got reports from yahoo sports and, uh, of course, uh, reports from The Athletic about this, this group text. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers going off on the Green Bay GM. 
calling him Jerry Krause. That's hilarious. And if you remember the Crumbs Krause take from last year's Last Dance documentary, the, the team hated Jerry Krause because these guys that are in the front office, not everybody, but a lot of them, they, they want the credit, they want the glory, and the work they've done, the scouting they've done, the decisions they make are in stark contrast to a lot of times what the head coach or even a star player wants because the take and the attitude sometimes by the star player or head coaches look dude you're 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 the band geek all right you're you're not you're not the athlete let let the athletes handle it and make the decisions well sometimes it's 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 worked and it's it's also been horrific for franchises if you have the wrong gm i look at this a little bit with uh, the ego and the game of chicken here uh, with Gutekunst and and Rodgers. There's a lot of moves that uh, Gutekunst made that has f- just infuriated Rodgers. There was no communication before last year's draft. Do you owe it to your star player? Was it psychological to light a fire? I mean, there's all these things that went into it. We'll hear from Brett Favre in his radio appearance earlier. Mike Babcock's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! DiCaprio Boodle coming up less than uh, 40 minutes away. Our extended chat with him as he's uh, ready to Head to Titletown. Well, a year removed, Titletown, down in Kansas City. We say hi to Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MDBabs on Twitter. Babbers, how are we? I'm going to do all right, Smitty. How about, uh, how about you guys? We're good, man. We're, we're anxious to see a little Nebraska baseball bounce back, potentially, this weekend out in uh, Tony Soprano land. That could be good. Uh Enjoyed spring football, enjoyed seeing you in the stadium on Saturday. And, you know, there's uh, some things we're talking about. We'll, we'll put the question to you. And when we talk about some of the puzzle pieces with the defense, and this kind of goes off of Adam Rittenberg's top 25 defensive futures, you know, kind of projecting the next three years. And I'm shaving off 2022 and 2023. I just want to focus on 2021. You know, does Nebraska have – the ability, the the pieces to be a top twenty five, top thirty good type type level defense, and will it have to be that level in your opinion? Well, and uh, as you said earlier, maybe maybe top thirty potential, um, top twenty five. I don't know about that. I mean, you've got a lot of experience back, and you've got guys that have started. Um, uh, guys, I think you've you've got guys that have started it. Ten of the eleven positions, right? And, yeah, uh, you do. You know that kind of experience is uh, you, you can't uh, you can't diminish the value of that. Certainly, um, but I think that uh, still there's room for improvement, uh, particularly in the area of getting pressure on the on the quarterback. I think that's something that Nebraska really needs to do, and creating turnovers. Uh, you know, in the shortened season, uh, two fumble recoveries. Five interceptions. Uh, you got to do a little better than in the turnover area, um, just as the offense needs to do a better job of taking care of the ball. So, um, if you can do that, if you can get some pressure, 
that's the thing that uh, Nebraska still 13 sacks. Um, you, you need more pressure, I, I think, on the opposing quarterback. And if you can do some of those things, um, then you have a potential to be a decent de- defense. You know, I thought the defense got better with third down conversions. They got off the field better as the season went along for a while there. It was, you know, 50% conversion rate uh, out of the gate. And, you know, I know you had Ohio State, and I know you had Northwestern. I know you had uh, some of the, the who's who uh, with, in, in Iowa, right, the schedule to, to kind of start things out. I look at Nebraska, and, you know, what, what goes into a, to a good defense, what goes into a great defense. And when I think of, of some of Nebraska's great defenses, they were insanely good against the run. They were deep. They were talented, and there wasn't, despite having like an All-American like Peter or Wistrom, you could bring in a guy like uh, Rucker or Warren, all right, <laughs> two future NFL guys, uh, to, to spell your, your first-rounders with second-rounders or third-rounders. That was, that was awesome. I mean, that was development and recruiting all coming together. But I look at Nebraska here, and I think they're going to have depth and, and I don't know how big a gap there'll be or if there'll be a, a noticeable gap with the ability to shuffle guys in on, on the front three or if they go four down. I like the secondary. I know they're trying to figure out that second corner spot. But when I look at good defenses, it's pass rush. It's great against the run. They communicate well. They line up. They know what they're doing. They get their run fits handled. And above all, they're good tacklers. And I've seen that growth here the last year when it comes to tackling and communication. And there wasn't a lot of busts, is my point. You're going to give up big plays in football, but it felt like Nebraska was able to recover from that, or they're at least kind of moving babbers towards, towards being a good recovery, maybe that bend but don't break um, so, you know, style of defense. And you can live with that if you're getting the football taken away. And you saw some glimpses, Penn State and, and Purdue, Nebraska was able to take the football away. Yeah, and, and again, that's important, Smitty. And, and the play of your secondary obviously is dependent on again getting some pressure. You know, don't leave those guys out there trying to cover for a length of time. You know, give them give them opportunity to to do their jobs by getting some pressure on the quarterback. And uh, and and I think you you got the makings of a, again a, a pretty good defense, but. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I think you have to be able to stop the run, obviously, in the Big Ten. And I think Nebraska has shown a potential to do that. Um, and as you said, I think it's important that you can get some guys to rotate in there um, because you can't just leave those guys out on the field for all those plays, um, even though uh, a guy like Doman was out there all the time. You know, uh, It would be nice to rotate some guys in there. Um, keep fresh guys on the field so you can, again, get some pressure, stop the run, and uh, I think you can be pretty good. Mike, when we talked with Jeremiah Searles probably two years ago now at this point, he told us that that the good defenses he played and the good defenses that he played uh, with at Nebraska all had a game wrecker on the defense, a guy that the offense didn't game plan for him. Uh, they were going to make the offense lives miserable. I think back to guys like uh, Broderick Thomas, Grant Wistrom, uh, Levante David. Uh, so do you, do you see a guy like that on, on the Nebraska defense currently? I, I think the best candidate would be, would be Cam Taylor Britt, but I'm not sure if you can be that game wrecker guy from the cornerback position. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't know if cornerback is, is the position that uh... – you're going to be a game breaker there. You've got to have one of the guys up front be able to do that, and it's going to have to be somebody's going to have to step up because I don't think that we've necessarily seen that. 
but uh, um, again, it, you know, there might be the potential with experience um, and with some with some younger guys coming in there and pushing and given an opportunity to rotate so that you're, you have some freshness when you're playing, um, it might be. But, I, you know, right now, no, I don't see that kind of player. Well, who are some of the candidates that, you know, they're, they're known, but it's that next step? Is Ty Robinson a guy from where he's at that could be a game wrecker? We know what he can do uh, against the run. Is his next step, step to, to be better at – Kind of collapse in that pocket. Is it, is it a Phil Darius Payne? Is it uh, is it JoJo? And we've seen JoJo knife in on some weak side run plays and and snuff out. Uh, but now when it comes to blitzing and getting after the quarterback, Nebraska when they bring heat, a lot of times they do it from a corner or a safety spot. Last year, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, I like Robinson for one of those guys. I think he has. The potential to be that, you know, I, Luke Reimer, you know, he got hurt. Um, I think he's he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty good player, I think, mm-hmm. and and I think he's a, a kind of a diamond in the rough, somebody that they found um, that could be that kind of player. But uh, yeah, Doman, he does everything. I mean, it, you know, obviously he moved uh, from safety. He can they can move him around. He has that potential, and again, he was on the field all the time last year, so. Uh, there's no question about uh, his endurance and his value to the defense. But, um, yeah, I think the, I think the guys that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, probably have a have a shot to to be that guy. Mike, what what were last thought here on football before we hit some baseball? What what was kind of your your main takeaways? And, and I know it was hard to take a lot away from that spring game, but you did see some contact in the second half. Overall, what did you think of of Nebraska's spring 2021? Oh, you know, I. I I think, like I always say, I think uh, I've seen a lot of spring games. Obviously, but the, the spring's a time for optimism, and so you go into the, you come away from the spring game, uh, even the way it was set up with with uh, no contact really uh, to speak of in the first half. Um, you feel good about what you saw, and you know some of the young guys, uh, you know, stepped up. But it's not necessarily the guys that step up in the spring game that you see come fall. So uh, I, I just take the general optimism of spring away from that. Uh, it was good to see the team out there. It was good to see fans in the stands. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, it, now they're uh, just mid-May. They're coming back already for summer conditioning. So, um, you know, that's a good thing. Preparation um, has to follow what happened in the spring, and, and we'll see. Get some guys back that we didn't see also. I think that's important as well. You did have kind of a, a wounded spring with a number of guys that missed time and a few guys that missed the spring game. Uh, Going to be huge for them to kind of bond and keep hitting the weights. And Illinois uh, not far away, I believe, 100 and. I don't know, 1,413 days till kickoff, but that's just me counting uh, for, for, for the season. Mike Babcock's with us, Hail Varsity Magazine, HailVarsity.com, at MD Babs on Twitter. So, Babbers, a thought here. I know Will, Bowles had, Will Bolt had his presser today and was pretty matter of, of fact Sunday with uh, the, the, lay, the laying of the egg. Uh, what were the words from from Coach Bolt today? I know there's a, a great opportunity for Nebraska this weekend. Yeah, pre- 
pretty much the same, you know, uh, and, and they really have a, a tough, uh, as we've talked, they really got a tough stretch now finishing up. And uh, you start off in Piscataway with uh, a couple games with Indiana, which uh, moved up to number one in the conference uh, over the weekend. So, um, you know, I, it's got to be game to game, and, and Nebraska has to respond. And as Will Bolt said, you know, for 29 games, uh, he saw the team that he expected to see, and then for the 30th game, he didn't see it. And uh, hope they can get that back. But uh, you know, the relief pitching had been really good. It wasn't good uh, over the weekend. Um, they've got to get back to. They got to get some focus. And uh, again, they got to go one game at a time. Uh, but I'll be interested to see how they respond on Saturday. Um, and also. Uh, a longer week. They don't start till Saturday. Then they play a doubleheader on Sunday, and they play a Monday game. So it's a different kind of a sequence, and the pitching will be a little bit different. Babbers, about a minute here, but uh, from a projection standpoint, what did last weekend do? And I'm not talking regional. I mean, is Nebraska now in danger of, of missing postseason, or is it too soon to tell? They've got a chance to to, to – you know, erase this and and finish strong. Michigan looms. Indiana's there. Northwestern, Rutgers. There's still wins out there, but the, the schedule jumps up quite a bit, difficulty wise. Yeah, too too soon to say. Uh, but because of the difficulty of the schedule, you you've got to feel like, well, if they can, you know, have some success against the schedule that they've got remaining, then you know they're going to be they're going to be in the NCAA. Uh, tournament. I mean that that's that's the bottom line. And if they don't respond, um, they could work themselves out. But um, you got to you got to look at the positive side right now and look at the way they have played. Again, the way Bolt said for 29 games, and and think that that's going to be the team that shows up. That uh, Gray beats Pretty, and and uh, and they're going to have a shot because of the schedule they play. Um, that's going to give them a good resume if they can be if they can have some success. Babbers, thanks for the time today, bud. Great talking to you. Thanks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, DiCaprio Boodle, twenty minutes away as he is off to play for the Chiefs. Off to visit the uh, the putting green right now is. Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey, we got back from baseball Sunday morning early, an early ball game that didn't go our way. And usually I'm I'm uh, Mr. Grumpy if, if Junior doesn't do well. But I said, you know what? We're going to go have some steak and eggs. So we had a little, uh, little breakfast uh, menu item out of Wilderness Sunday, and it was fantastic. Nice, nice. He also had, uh, I mean, I, I had to have a, a red beer, which was which was good, too. So. Well, that's a must always Sunday morning. Yeah, I that's think so. I think so. So, do you uh, do you have an opinion of, of red beer drinkers versus orange beer drinkers? Well, I can't do the orange sweetie stuff. Kind of <laughs> thought you'd go there. <laughs> I can't go there. I'll do a red beer every now and then, but the orange, no, thank you. That's out. Yeah, there we go. The the man card is ripped away from my shoey if you do the orange beer. Well, give us an update. How have the uh, Fit Fridays been going out at Wilderness? And and I hear the uh, the, the beeping in the background. They're you moving. Some, they're moving some dirt. Talk to me. Yeah, man. I'm actually standing right out here in front of our new uh, academy pro shop. 
band is starting to take shape. The, uh, we have a new cart staging area and actually entrance from the parking lot down to the cart staging Ooh. area that they've ripped to shreds, and now they're trying to put back together. So they're putting forms up right now, doing some grading, getting ready to pour some cement. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Are you going to sign Shuey in part of the cement? I think we're going to sign a golf ball, actually, and kind of bury it in the cement. I That's think we're awesome. going to do that. That's cool. Yeah. Somebody will find it one of these days and You'll go, who the it. heck is that guy? <laughs> he helped you putt better. Just ask your That's dad. That's right. Shuey, so between lessons and workouts and fitting, what's the schedule look like for you here as we get through May? Uh, pretty busy. We started what we call our boot camp. So we have an afternoon boot camp, and then we have one actually right after I get off the phone. I have an evening boot camp that runs all week. We have a bunch of people signed up for that. So five days long, we kind of take them through all the aspects of, of the game. You know, we started with putting. We have chipping that we're finishing up today, and then irons and drivers and and a little on course. So that means it's time for golf to start. we got a lot of our programs starting. A lot of stuff happening, so pretty exciting. We have a Fit Friday this Friday, uh, from one to one to five. So uh, sign up for that. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Exciting is, stuff. Is, is, has Gary the Hippo uh, survived the, uh, the the transition here with the construction? Uh, I think he's doing okay. We're going to find out when we break him out here in about a month. So. Gary the Hippo is an inflatable hippo that kids chip at So, uh, as part of the youth program, and that's always good to have a big target, Shuey. It is. We actually have a new target. It's called Shoe the Shark. Oh, no. He's a a giant blow-up shark, and they named him Shoe for some reason. We feed him fish bait. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, they have a lot of fun with that. I like They like it. to jump in his mouth more than anything. Well, good, <laughs> so, good. Shuey the yeah. shark, I, I love it. Always <laughs> kind of that intensity. What's your takeaway here with the Premier Golf League? And, and I'm looking at Phil Mickelson and Phil's take on things. Phil's going to be 51 here next month. His, uh, his career winding down, he can still swing it, and I'm sure he still likes to find a, a blackjack table or two. But he's been offered a reported $100 million per year to play in the rival golf league, a rival to the PGA. And what's your reaction to this? A, the idea of the Premier League. Is it going to be a USFL-type failure? Is it, is it a threat? I mean, how do you view this? Uh, I mean, they've they've talked about it for years, trying to do something like that, and it's never really taken off. You know, they have Phil, who's a name anyway, that that could possibly help it, but I don't see how it's going to work. I mean, who wants? Who do people want to watch? They want to watch the best players in the world. You know, yeah, it's fun to watch Phil, but he's not the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. I don't. I don't see it. Well, if I, mean, I, think, I don't. If I think back to, to rival leagues to the NFL, a lot of them have instituted rule changes to make the game more interesting because it's not those top athletes playing. Do you see any rule changes that could be implemented in golf to make it more watchable on TV? I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is playoff holes. You replace that with some sort of, like, I don't know, fist fight, boxing match, or wrestling, or like, you could do something to make it more fun. <laughs> exactly. Nine iron to the, to, to the knee. Uh, like in... 
can have like a ninja fight or <laughs> Star Wars lightsaber duel to the death. You know, put him in a. Why don't you surround the ninth green with a cage and have a little cage match? <laughs> I'm taking John Daly, his lighter, and his cigarettes. Exactly. <laughs> he will use you as a human ashtray. <laughs> no, but okay. So, so say Shuey, you're called by the Premier League. And they're like, oh, that, that swim-up bar is going to be wonderful. We're going to have an event at Wilderness uh, with, uh, with John Daly. But who are some guys you'd, you'd, you'd approach? I mean, who, could, who, would you, who would you pry away? Would you, what, give me your top three. You've got to get somebody that has a name that really is kind of at the end of their career. Phil, right. That, that, Phil, perfect example. So it's like, is he still playing out there? Yeah, but is he as competitive as he was? No. So Phil's got a great name. Who are some other people? A, I don't know, uh, Tom Lehman, is that a big enough name? A Steve Stricker, is that a big enough name? Those Daly? are guys that are How about John? Daly would be perfect. Yeah, I, I mean those are be. the guys those are the guys that you need that people want to come out and see. Are you getting a Bryce and DeChambeau to play on it? No. People want to come see him. Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna get him out there. But you need guys like that that people want to come see for a reason. So Daily, yeah, you know, because he looks like Santa Claus now, and he still kind of fits it a long ways. <laughs> so you gotta have you gotta have something that draws people there. You know, fills a draw, yeah. But is there enough of those guys that you can fill that league up with that creates enough interest for people to come out and want to watch them play? I just don't. Then what happens to the senior tour? Sure. Well, that's, you know? that's a great question. You know, because, you know, Phil's going to play on the senior tour and be super competitive out there with those guys. But it's like, you know, is he not going to play out there? Are those guys going to come over to this league? If that would happen, one league or the other, one tour is is going to be hurt by it. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the PGA has too much power. Okay. And it has too much influence on what they offer. You know, what's the Premier League going to offer you? I mean, money. So that's a big motivating factor, but you're not a... You're not a U.S. Open champ in the Premier League. That's true. Not, you know, so there's just there's not enough of things and not enough people that will draw a big enough audience, in my my opinion, on why it would work. I mean, that's what's happened to all these other leagues. You know, they tried in the USFL and get all these guys, and it still didn't work. Because the NFL is still where you want to go. The PGA Tour is still where 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 you want to be. Because that is. That is it. The senior tour, when you're done, that still is now and has become where, when you're over 50, that's where you go. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge. Shuey, we'll talk next week. Thanks for your take on this. Always appreciate your insight. And uh, can't wait to see you out at Wilderness, bud. All right, man. Can't wait. Take care. See you, bud. There he is, Mike Schuart with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf. We'll wind down Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, DiCaprio Boodle. His experience with the NFL draft and signing with Kansas City. His time in Nebraska. We'll recap it with DCAP. Reminder about moving. West Blue Realty is the source you go to to make this next move smooth for you. Are you looking to buy? Are you looking to sell? And you know the housing market right now is so tight. Let uh, the experts with West Blue help you out. Tom Luby, Kelly Hoff-Snyder. And when you mention Hale Varsity, they can provide you up to $1,000 
on the closing of your next home purchase. Give Tom a call, Tom Luby, 402-540-3768, or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly can make it happen for you at 402-202-2312, westbluerealty.com is where you log on. And uh, they're located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So uh, with, uh, with that said, and West Blue, they can also handle agricultural land. Are you looking to sell some acres? Right now, they uh, are experienced. West Blue Realty isn't selling agricultural land. They have an auctioneer, and they can handle anything from live auctions to sealed bids to general land listings and they've sold land all over the great state of nebraska seward oto lancaster and they've got a great radius to work with westbluerealty.com so we will get into uh, the brent Favre takeaway on espn wisconsin specifically with aaron Rodgers. uh brett's known for doing commercials for looking uh way older than the 1969 birth date uh, and, uh, you know, pimping uh, stuff uh, from Wranglers to that copper or whatever the hell uh, you wear. Uh, co- and, the, just the copper fit. That's what the copper fit. Him and Jerry Rice lighten up people uh, in a you know pickup game of football in their early to mid-50s. And Favre says this probably won't end well. And if you're Green Bay, do you blow out the general manager? You were a, a game away from the Super Bowl again. You've been to a lot of championships. Uh, they moved on, and, and you had uh, to move in here in about 2017. Green Bay's been right there. Psychologically, they pushed the right button in drafting a Jordan Love to get Rodgers kind of off his backside and, and have a great season. But, man, he's made a lot of moves. And... It, it, it sucks if you're the GM to have to, to check with the, the star player. The star player should should know his role, and that's to go win football games. But players have more and more power, so you got to do a little butt kissing and, and communicate with them to, to keep the peace. That didn't happen before last year's draft. And it sounds like Rodgers has premeditated this for a while. Did, did the Packers think that they're actually going to win this standoff? That's what I'm wondering. A, he's the face of the league, arguably, with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he just won MVP. He is clearly, by far and away, the best player on your team. And let's not forget that he's been in a standoff with his family since he came into the he's, NFL. He hasn't, he hasn't talked to his family in I, like I don't, 10 I don't, years. I don't know the history. I don't know if he's, if he's the problem, if he's the prima donna, if he's the whack job, if he's the guy, personality-wise, that his own troops would murder. All right, I don't know. Uh, it, there's just a lot of math here with, with him that says he's a different dude. All right, qualify now. ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. There is your sounder. That's meat on the grill, not Schmidt getting electrocuted. A Weber grill, a gift card to Campbell's, a gift card to Leon's Gourmet. Caller 9 now qualifies 466-3776. Get in on the 800 line. 1-800-825-5865. Caller 9 right now with the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. DiCaprio Boodle next.
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Another Husker off to the NFL. DiCaprio Boodle joins us. And DiCaprio, take me through uh, this weekend for you. Hoping to hear your name, but it sounds like and it looks like a, a good spot for you in Kansas City. How'd the weekend go for you? Yeah, um, I would say overall it went well. You know, I was hoping to hear my name early, um, then get my name called. But, you know, shortly after, I was getting phone calls from a plethora of different teams and you know, eventually just landed myself a home in Kansas City. And, you know, now it's just time to go to work, and I'm just so excited for the opportunity. DiCaprio Boodle with us on Hale Varsity. How did you kind of settle in on Kansas City between you and your agent? And tell us about some of the other offers that you had to weigh. Um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had offers from all over different places like um, Atlanta, some of the L.A. teams, um, Kansas City, obviously. But, um, you know, when it just came down to it, Kansas, Kansas City seemed like the best option for me. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a similar vibe to, you know, what I was in in college as well, too. So, you know, I'm just super excited to get back out to the Midwest and be able to play some more football. DiCaprio, tell me a little bit more about that vibe. Describe it about that, that Kansas City vibe. A lot of us, a lot of the listeners have been to Arrowhead, and it is it is rocking. It's a good time. And uh, the, the vibe you got from the organization, take us through uh, their pitch to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a great organization, an organization that obviously wants to win and win a lot, and I see a lot of – you know, similarities in, in the want and the desire to win and, and the desire to love the game of football between, you know, Nebraska and Kansas City as well. And, you know, just two um, two programs that, you know, are, are, are in the similar area geographically and just, you know, kind of fit me pretty pretty well. DiCaprio Boodles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And DiCaprio, as you're getting to the later rounds of the draft, I mean, everyone wants to hear their name get called. Um, but now that you've settled in Kansas City, and Kansas City is the spot where you're going to be fighting for a roster spot next year, are, are you, you know, disappointed that you still didn't get drafted? I mean, because now you, you end up on a team that's, I mean, now with Patrick Mahomes year in, year out, that they're championship favorites. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anybody would be disappointed, um, you know, putting in so much work and, you know, just not hearing your name called. But ultimately, you know, I'm in a great situation and, you know, just excited to go out and work. And nothing else really matters anymore. The draft is over. And, and right now it's all about making making a roster spot, you know, being on the active roster and just being a part of the organization. And DiCaprio, in the last couple of years, there's been a pretty good line of Huskers uh, defenders going undrafted and still making a roster spot and making a good name for themselves in the NFL. I think of Will Compton. I think of even Lamar Jackson last year, Luke Gifford a couple of years ago. Are those guys that you can turn to and ask them questions as you're going through this process as an undrafted free agent? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, um, Nebraska boys, you know, just it's such a brotherhood that, you know, you can go ahead and you can ask somebody questions from you know, guy, guy that played way before your time, you can ask him questions about his process. And, you know, um, guys that are playing after me, coming to me, asking me questions about my process. So, you know, um, I've taken a lot of good information from all of those guys. Um, you know, all the guys that have kind of gone through it the way that, I, that 
um, I've gone through it so far, and as well as, you know, some of the guys that actually did get to hear their name called and just um, being able to relate off of their experiences and stuff, as well as, you know, I had a, a coach who played nine years in, in the NFL and Travis Fisher who kind of already, you know, knows knows how the league operates and, you know, just knows um, you know knows how to coach his guys and, and how to get them prepared and ready for this next level regardless of how it looks. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a great position right now. I'm blessed. I'm thankful, and I'm just so ready to work. DiCaprio Boodle joining us here, Hale Varsity Radio, part of the Kansas City Chiefs. As uh, a number of Huskers uh, living out their NFL dreams here after the, o- the 2021 draft. And DiCaprio, let's go back to Pro Day. And you've played a lot of college football. You've been versatile uh, between corner and, and playing nickel and also some safety time at Nebraska. But you had a chance during the Pro Day to, to kind of light it up, and you did with your speed. And um, take me through your, your prep for that. And, and that moment uh, and how you were able to, to go kind of show out but stay calm in that moment. Uh, how was that process for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the process was great for me, especially, you know, getting the results out at the end that I wanted. Um, you know, it just started early early January. I started training for, for my 40. So, um, you know, I would just work at it every week, day after day, and, you know, just was kind of, you know, focusing on making sure that I did everything that I could to to ensure success, and sure enough, that's that's what happened. I believe that to be true, and not only just you know running fast, but you know as well for my for my whole pro day, and you know those are the types of things that it's kind of like how I live my life, just you know preparing for whatever it is in front of me, and just you know as long if I can if I can prepare properly, then I can prevent poor performance and. You know, just continuing to understand that in my lifestyle and, and, you know, when I have a goal, just being able to have the laser focus to go ahead and go get it. I mean, it was it was great, but it took a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of determination. Some days I was frustrated, but, you know, as long as I kept my eyes on the prize, I, I knew that it would pay off in the end, and it did. DiCaprio, you, you're a guy who's had a lot of perseverance uh, to, to get on, on the radar, be it uh, the satellite camp where Nebraska noticed you, to you know, scout team in Lincoln, and then a, a number of career starts to some honorable mention all Big Ten teams. You know, where did you get that drive from? How did that kind of get instilled in you to keep grinding and and kind of reach your goals? Um, you know, I just always been a, a hard a hard worker. Um, you know, my parents just really raised me to be a hard worker and just to know that anything that I want, if, if I truly want it, you know, I have to work towards it and. You know, um, if if I'm not so great at something, you know, as long as I continue to work at it and, and work at it and chip away at it, then eventually, you know, um, if it's for me, I won't be denied. So, um, it, it just just kind of just kind of going off of that, just knowing that you know I'm a hard worker because of my parents, because of who they are, them being hardworking people, and instilling that into me. And you know, I, I believe that will carry me a long way. And you know, um, I'm not a guy who takes reps off, who takes plays off or anything because that's not hard work in itself. So, you know, just being able to go out and do something over and over and over again um, with an intent to either get better or get something out of it is something that, you know, I credit myself with just because my parents really instilled that in me at a young age. Let's talk about Coach Fisher and and uh, your relationship with him. And you just alluded to, to his career in the NFL, and he's done well with, with his coaching background, with, with getting guys ready for the league. And 
he said this spring, it's not can you go, but can you stay, right, in the NFL. And and I'm interested to get your uh, perspective on Coach Fisher, his advice, his mentoring, and just how he was able to, to take your talent and, and obviously hard work, but you two worked together to get coached up to be the best you can be. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so thankful that, you know, I was able to spend my last couple of years with Coach Fisher. Um, you know, I just, as, as, a, as a coach, you know, I have so much respect for him as a coach. Um, he's a guy who really, you know, I'm a hard worker, but he's a guy who, who, who really get the best out of you. You know, even when, when you're working hard, you know, just being able to have that voice to, to push you to go even harder and, you know, to, to work even harder and um, just to be able to, to go through and expect the unexpected and, and to be able to maneuver and all that kind of stuff. Right now, Coach Fisher, as, as a coach, he's the type of coach that, that coaches you and prepares you for beyond the level that, that, that you're at right now. So that way you can dominate the level that you're at um, in that being college and then um, being able to go on to the pros and understand how to maneuver and the things that are, like like he said, it's not about getting there, but it's about staying there, the things that will make you stay, the things that you can continuously do to, you know, ensure your success and to ultimately, you know, um, give yourself the longevity in the league. So, you know, as a coach, um, just looking back, um, in hindsight, I'm just so thankful for him. Just so thankful that you know he's he, he grinded my gears. Uh, you know, on days where I was doing, where I was having great practices, just you know, tighten me up even more. And on days where you know I wasn't having such great practices, you know, just tighten me, t- making sure I was tightened up even more then as well. So you know, just just having him as a coach and just knowing, being able to soak up all the knowledge that he has for the game and you know taking it and 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 making it, that part of the game kind of my own is just you know. That's what every athlete dreams of coming into college football is playing for a coach that understands the game and, and knows the game and, and will be able to prepare you for the next level beyond that. So I'm just so thankful for Coach Fish. And, you know, we have a relationship that will go on forever. So, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for him. That's my guy. DiCaprio Boodles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And DiCaprio, the NCAA put in an eligibility freeze after this last season. So you, you did, if you wanted to, to take it, have a, one more year of work with Coach Fisher and the Husker coaching staff, uh, if you wanted to do that. So, so could you take me through that decision uh, to kind of forego that and decide to go straight into the NFL? Uh, yeah, I mean, any time that you have a, a, an option like that, regardless um Regardless of when it is, any time you know you have a decision to make like that, it's going to be a hard decision. So, you know, um, I thought about it, I prayed on it, I asked God to guide me in the right direction. Ultimately, He did. You know, um, it was just I felt like it was my time to go on Lincoln, and uh, you know, my coaches, you know, as as much as they would have loved to have me back, and as much as they told me that they would look, they would have loved to have me back, you know, they also supported my decision and understood that, you know, I did have an opportunity to go do something special. So, um, you know. Just, just going, going through that whole decision-making process. I knew, like, my my time in Nebraska had came to an end, and you know, just a place that I had grew to love and you know, just call home over the past couple of years. That that chapter was kind of ending, but um, you know, I I know that's still like my second home, and you know, to, to this day, you know, I still think about uh, my memories in Nebraska and. You know, just so thankful for my time there. But it was just the kind of sort of time for me to to move on in, in, into a direction to to um, experience bigger things. 
Now, now I, I want to ask you about that spring game on Saturday. I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch it, but I just want to ask, was it, was it strange to know that you, your teammates were out there playing in front of the, the crowd at Nebraska and now you'd, you'd moved on and you were focused on, on bigger and better things? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely rooting for those guys. You know, I, I understood that, you know, especially with them, um, you know, a, a lot of those guys from, from the team last year ended up coming back. And, you know, a lot of those guys I've, I've had so many um, experiences with. So I was, I'm just happy that they got a chance to go out there and, you know, do what they wanted to do. Because last year we didn't have a spring ball at all. So it kind of got them back on track to do what they what they wanted to do. But, you know, anytime those guys step on the field this year, I'll be happy to root for them. And, you know, um, I, I'm just really excited for what they could do. DiCaprio, what was last season like for you? Weird season, no fans, uh, some ups and downs with, with the not you personally, but just the team where – you're on the cusp of a lot of, you know, coin flip games. And, and then you, you had that breakthrough against Penn State where the secondary really kind of took over as Penn State was threatening. But overall, can you describe your, your last season in Lincoln? Yeah, um, weird, weird to say the less just off of the <laughs> fact that um, Memorial is always full, you know, and – just it being empty this year was was kind of weird. Just seeing it kind of empty, um, but you know, <laughs> it's it's still football nonetheless. And once the once the whistle blows to start the game, it's a it's a full blown game. So you know, we didn't lose sight of that at all. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely um, it was a it was a fun year for me. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot different than the other previous years, just because of the flow of the year with COVID and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, you know, there were just a whole bunch of different wrenches getting thrown into plans and different things happening. And, you know, you just kind of had to expect the unexpected. And I think as a team, we handled that pretty well. We didn't have any games canceled due to COVID. And, you know, we there were some close games that kind of slipped away. And, you know, as a team, they'll, they'll be better um, for this year because of that. And, you know, they'll, they'll just continue to chip away at what they need to. Coach Frost is a great coach. And, you know, he'll continue to make the adjustments necessary. Coach Chins will have the defense right. Coach Lugo had the offense right. And, you know, those those guys, they'll go on to hopefully play in front of a full crowd this year. And, you know, everything. hopefully they'll get back to some sense of normalcy. So you have a pretty good feel that this team's really close to, to kind of turn the corner? Yeah, the, the, the team's been close for, um, for, for a couple of years now. So I, I think it's that time for them to go ahead and turn the corner. Yep. What's your, your take on, on your mates still in the secondary? Of course, Cam at corner, Deontay uh, at, uh, at safety, and then Markel, and then some, some young pups behind, and then they're trying to kind of fill your spot, if possible, opposite corner with Newsom and Clark and, and Joseph and Lynham. Uh, give us kind of a, a look-see into that secondary you left behind here. How good do you feel about it? Oh, I feel great about it, especially with, um, you know, with Coach Fisher. It's always competition between, you know, the starter and, you know, the walk-on that probably just arrived yesterday. Um, so no matter what, you know, it's always time to work. So those guys, when it, when it's time for them to work, they'll put in the work. They'll have their um, off-season battles. The depth try to be made. Those guys will continue to work hard, continue to try to – push each other and compete and you know um the the best men will come out victorious and you know they'll continue to be a family continue to to help each other 
Um, you know, hopefully those guys get up to speed to where it's not just four of them uh, playing in a football game, but it might be seven, eight, or nine of them playing in a football game, you know. Um, but I know that I have no nothing but faith in that group. And, you know, when, when the lights come on, those guys won't even blink. They'll be ready to go, and they'll pick up where they left off last year and go ahead and, and, and really be a, a key part of the team. So I'm really excited to watch them work. I'm really excited to watch what they do on Saturdays this fall. And, you know, I know Coach Fish will tighten them up and get them there. So I'm not worried about them at all. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Another Husker off to the NFL. DiCaprio Boodle joins us, and we'll get you out of here, DiCaprio, just real quick. Was there ever a moment you're getting ready for practice and uh, you thought you had a good practice and someone's kind of getting behind you in, in the rear view, so, rear, rear view, so to speak, with uh, maybe uh, taking some reps or time away? Or is there an instance that uh, that comes to your mind or a story about – because Coach Fish doesn't joke around, does he, when it comes to that competition chart? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah he doesn't uh, joke around at all. He that that chart is you know is like his baby. He <laughs> he's taking care of that chart and continuing to to tally everything. It's to the point where like you know guys or guys fight for their points. You know that's that's a big thing. That's actually it's not a myth. It's not a gimmick or anything like that's a real thing. So um, you know if you go in his office, he'll have it before every meeting. He'll put it up. No guys will fight for their points. Guys will try to say, "Oh, I caught this pick in bounds," or guys will try to say, "Oh, I punched this ball out in practice," or "I did this," or "I did that." And you know, the one thing about it is like the film don't lie. So sometimes things are a little sketchy. We vote on it, and um, you know, it just comes out like that. But uh, we've had we've had times where you know I've I've had a good practice. Maybe I acquired maybe 12 points in a practice, and guys start to question. Um, whether what I did was legal or, you know, something like that. So it's just, it's just a whole bunch of competition going on. You know, sometimes guys vote against guys getting points, and sometimes guys vote for other guys to get points. Um, so, you know, it's just, it just kind of keeps everything fun and, and competitive and, you know, gives you a reason to practice hard. So um, that, that competition chart, you know, it's, it's really a, a real thing, and I think it's one of the best things that, that goes on. In, in our room. So there's got some there's some politics to it, it sounds like, man. <laughs> oh oh yeah, yeah. Believe if if you're too far out in front uh, of the chart and there's a sketchy play, the guys will vote against you for sure. <laughs> When it comes to the Kansas City, DiCaprio Boodle, it's been awesome to get caught up with you. I thought, are you thinking dime? You thinking corner? You thinking safety? Have you had that communication yet with Kansas City? Uh yeah, I mean uh, just. Talk, talking to the coaches, um, you know, just, just fit in where I fit in. You know, um, I told them that I'm ready to play whatever. Um, I'm sure they have plans for me, and I'm, I'm ready to be wherever they want me to be. But, um, you know, the biggest thing that, that we've talked about is just coming in, being ready to play, and, you know, just being ready to, to you know, um, contribute early. So, you know, I'm, that's just my main focus right now, wherever it is. You know, like I always joke joke around and say, you know, if they want to put me on the D-line, put me on the D-line, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I know and that's unrealistic, but I give it my all. You know, whatever it is to help the team, whatever it is to help the team win, 
you know, that's what I'm what I'm willing and ready to do. So, you know, that's just pretty much it for me. Last thought for me here, DiCaprio, before we let you go. The, the thought of lining up against Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be doing it here in fall camp. Is that thought terrifying or is that thought exciting? No, it's, it's actually honestly really exciting. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the game, um, you know, has a has a great career ahead of him. Already, already have has had a great career thus far, and you know, I'm just really excited to be able to go out there and get that work, have that, and be able to compete against him because, uh, you know, that's that those are the things that are, that are going to get me better. Those are the things that are going to you know help me out with the game, and if, if I can do well against. Patrick Mahomes and I can do well on any given Sunday. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go out there and, you know, compete. DiCaprio Boodle with us. DiCaprio, best to you. We'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time today. Yeah, thank you. Gotta love DiCaprio Boodle. Fun chat with him, man. He's excited about the opportunity in Kansas City and from a satellite camp to a spot on Nebraska's reserve when it comes to scout team and then. Honorable mention, all Big Ten last couple of seasons and one of those anchors in the secondary. Really nice to spend time with him, man, and, and he's earned every inch he's gotten. And I, and I look at him between the, the ability to play safety and quarter and nickel corner and be a dude on special teams. He's uh, got that special drive that uh, you hope the best for him, and we'll see where he ends up with Kansas City. But uh, he's a guy that could be a difference maker for him. Uh, when it comes to, to practices and then getting on the field on Sundays. Yeah, and um, Kansas City's done a, a pretty good job turning you know late-round picks and undrafted guys, especially in that secondary, yes. uh, turning them around. I mean, uh, Legereus Sneed, I believe it was, last season. Mm-hmm. He was like a sixth or seventh-round pick. Uh, I'm not a Chiefs fan, so apologies, Chiefs fans, if I completely butchered that. Um, but that, that that's what my memory serves me correctly as, that, that he was one of those guys that was a, a late-round pick, uh, and they brought him in, and he got very valuable playing time last year and important times for the Chiefs. So uh, undrafted to the Chiefs, um, of all the spots to be as, as a defensive back, that's one of the that's one of the best. They've got a history. I know Honey Badger is still there doing doing his thing, but uh, Kansas City does a wonderful job of maximizing free agent signees and late round people. And someday you could see a, a Chiefs defensive back picking off Aaron Rodgers in a Denver uniform. I sure hope not. But uh, I mean, an- another name I don't want to don't want to leave it off from this. Chavarius Ward, who's the starting cornerback uh, for the Chiefs uh, right now, he was also undrafted. Now he was originally signed by Dallas. I just just Googled mm-hmm. him. Um, but he's also another undrafted guy making a name for himself for the Chiefs. Well, and uh, let's uh, f- figure out too. Eric Warfield, friend of ours, seventh round pick for Kansas City, uh, starting corner for them, and a uh, wonderful career. We'll see if we can't get old Warfield on Friday and uh, get his take on things. Let's uh, spend some time here on the Aaron Rodgers saga, this game of chicken. And as Elijah pointed out earlier in the show, you know, June is kind of when we'll probably know more things here with Green Bay, with Rodgers, with contract, with OTAs. And just there's there's kind of a, a mini camp that's scheduled to happen that if Rodgers doesn't participate in, it it will cost him, you know, just shy of a hundred grand. In it could cost him that in fines. If you're Green Bay, do you remove the GM? <laughs> you completely neuter your front office. 
can you work things out with, with I don't think you can undo what's been done. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Uh, Brett Favre, earlier today on ESPN Wisconsin with, uh, with Tauscher and company. Uh, this is Favre touching on his text with Aaron Rodgers during the draft. Because right before the draft, right before last Thursday night, all hell broke loose in Green Bay with Rodgers not being happy. You know, I sent him a text. I didn't watch the draft. But I had everybody sending me messages right leading up to the draft and within the first few picks of the first round. People kept sending me messages, hey, Aaron's getting ready to be traded. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're you're crazy. Well, you know, what's going on? And I kept getting di- different people, what's Aaron going to do? Have, have you heard anything? And so I, without watching any TV or talking to anyone, you know, uh, involved in the situation either either side, I just sent Aaron a message and said, hey, am I going to see you playing for the Saints this year? Just just kind of joking. <laughs> uh, and he sent back, hey, buddy, uh, I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh, and, I, and also in that text, I just said, hey, I hope, hope everything's okay. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of messages from people asking me what's the deal. And he said, hey, thanks for checking on me. Uh, I'll touch base with you. Uh, after all this is over, and that was it. So we haven't we haven't talked since. So there's Brett Favre's initial take on his sit down with ESPN Wisconsin earlier. What's interesting to to see is this: uh, Aaron Rodgers was not happy with the Jordan Love draft pick. He was not going to take out that on Jordan Love when Favre had to put up with Rodgers being drafted. He wasn't very good to Aaron Rodgers early in his career. Ah, you're here to replace me. I mean, it wasn't good for them to not only be speaking, but to have, have been able to form a friendship. That that says a lot about Aaron Rodgers, able to maybe forgive and, and not forget, but that was really tedious when you go back to 05. More from, from Favre, and Favre touched on the similarities between Favre situation with Green Bay and then the Rodgers situation now. The one thing, and I think we talked about this last year when I was on your show uh, talking about the draft, and the one thing Aaron said last year was, I see now, of course, he's basically at the same age, the same year or close to when we drafted him. And he said, I, you know, I sort of see and feel what you were going through now. Um, but we haven't discussed that anymore since then. Last thought here from Brett Favre. Will Rodgers be in that green and gold again? I think I know Aaron fairly well. And honestly, I just don't see him coming back and just saying, all right, let's bury the hatchet, whatever that, for whatever caused the rift. I'm just going to come back and play because I love – Love the guys. I love the Green Bay fans. Uh, I, I assume that he, he does. Um, but his his rift isn't with the fans nor the players. It's with the, the front office, you know. So will he just swallow his pride and come in? Maybe. But I don't see that happening. I, I If there's not a trade, my gut tells me that he, he'd rather sit out than play. You know, you pull the Favre where Green Bay needed the decision. Favre, to to his point, wasn't ready to give him one. 
you get traded to New York, you do your time in New York, and then you go back and try and beat the team. You got a chip on your shoulder about uh, when you sign with the Vikings, which is the, the most crazy, surreal scene to see Favre doing his thing, handing off to Adrian Peterson like he did for a, for a couple of seasons. I think that's how this goes. I mean, we're early in this calling our shot, but unless Green Bay blows out their GM, I don't think Rodgers comes back. If he ends up in Denver, that'd be sweet to have Mahomes and Rodgers twice a year. AFC West would be beautiful. Oh, it would be. Uh, I know Oakland's, or excuse me, Vegas, swear jar. Vegas is a team you've heard about. San Fran's probably a no-go. They do not want to send Rodgers to the NFC. Uh, It'd be kind of quirky to see Seattle and Green Bay do a swap. Send Russell back to Green, back to Wisconsin, and Rodgers into Seattle. Oh, I don't think they're ever going to get a court. I mean, they've made their bed with Jordan Love, and I think they're going to have to lie in it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what's interesting to monitor is that Aaron Rodgers' dead cap hit against the Packers on June 1st, I believe is the day, somewhere around there. I think it's actually just on the 1st. Uh, the dead cap hit goes from $30 million to $5 million. So if they trade him before that day, they have to keep $30 million against their uh, their cap room if it's yeah, after It's going to be after five. June. But so we have, we, have a, we have a whole month of Rodgers Green Bay. A lot can happen. I want, maybe if he's learned anything from Favre, maybe he'll, uh, he'll announce his retirement in the next month. Well, <laughs> and then come right back. You announce the retirement. You you, you sit out the old non compete, and then you're, you're back at it. A jock doc's on the way. Hail Varsity continues. Presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. We say hi to Dr. Ben Woodhead. Dr. Ben, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Starting to enjoy this weather. Sports coming back. It's good. You are getting the golf clubs dusted off, I trust. I'm certainly trying. <laughs> no kidding, man. It's, it's one thing to, to get the weather and, yes, you go play golf combo from the fam. But, man, it's, it's a busy time. And we just wrapped up the NFL draft weekend. And I know we talked draft last week. Well, uh, Bronco fans are holding their breath for, for maybe some better quarterback news with this Aaron Rodgers saga. But uh, one of their, uh, their top guys, Jawan James, Man, tears his Achilles, could miss the 2021 season. And James popped his Achilles, Dr. Ben, off of outside the uh, the team facility. And I mean, not just outside, but I'm saying he was working out on his own, right? And uh, this is uh, 10 players via the NFL draft that, that have had some sort of issue or injury. But man, Achilles is so vital for that offensive tackle spot. Absolutely. This is a tough injury to have just because it's your planting foot. and You know, any type of power coming from that toe off, you know, you're really relying on that Achilles. And so depending on how bad the tear was or what exactly happened, you know, that that's going to take a long time for that recovery to get back to full strength. Well, Dr. Ben, I look at James's history here with Denver and we're talking in 2019, they they hooked him up with a four-year, $51 million deal. Well, he only played three games that first season, and then he had a, a severe knee injury that limited his season. Then he opted out of 2020 due to COVID. 
And now he's going to miss his second straight season following this injury. He's set to make $10, $10 million in base salary, but he's at risk to be placed on the, uh, the non-injury list here. And uh, you know all well about uh, the NFL and just how down to business they are. Uh, they love you until they don't have to. Absolutely. That's the hard part. You're disposable once something like this happens. And, you know, this is a big injury because, you know, historically this has always been fixed with surgery. And even when you fix it with surgery, you're still looking at a six to nine month recovery until you're really back to kind of playing speed. Um, Because no matter how it's fixed, whether it's done with a big open incision or whether it's kind of done with more of the modern percutaneous like stab incisions, Mm -hmm you still have to wait for that tendon to heal because if you get back too early, especially in a big, powerful guy like him, uh, you're going to re-tear that Achilles tendon and start the process all over. So he's really, you know, he's kind of in sketchy waters at this time, it sounds like. Jawan James, our topic, and uh, his Achilles injury, the offensive tackle for the Denver Broncos, Dr. Ben Woodhead, with us here on Hale Varsity at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. So let's kind of go into... Um, the, the the process here and the repair of the Achilles and then just what's the timeline and what are some of the methods used with the healing on top of rest? Yeah, so in the first six weeks, you know, you're really relying on that repair um, to heal. And so you're really not walking uh, much other than in a boot. You actually can have a little pad underneath the heel just so that Achilles doesn't get stretched out because in the early phases, if you, if you bring your toes up towards your head, you know, that stretch and the repair and, and over time that can eventually fail if you really don't allow that to heal. Um, it's a, one of the strongest tendons in the body. And so from a force standpoint, you got to do everything you can to, to reinforce those tendon edges to get together in order to heal. Um, the other problem with these types of surgeries, especially in a bigger guy like this, you know, you're there are a lot of other risk factors. You can certainly get some wound complications just because of the area it is down by the foot. The skin, if you if you feel on the back of your heel, is not very not very thick, and so you certainly can get those wound complications. If something like that happens, it can be a massive problem. And so, in the first first couple months, you really have to treat this very carefully um, and just not really be on your feet too much. How are you able to regain strength? And, and mobility in that that region of the Achilles. Yeah, I know there's there's repair, and I know I know there's rest, and I know there's rehab. But man, I'd be so worried about. And we've seen too many greats blow their Achilles, right? I mean, you look at Kobe, you look at Dan Marino, you look at Charles Barkley. I mean, that's like the 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 one that got him, so to speak. And I'm thinking offensive tackle if I'm six seven three bills and i can move like a deer and now my achilles is gone that takes away my power and my agility i'm not saying it can't be done but this seems pretty hard to come back from yeah it's absolutely a concern and you know he may never be 100 percent again with power on that side if you talk to people that have these types of injuries there's a lot of folks that actually just say it's not quite the same and mm-hmm. so you know for the average joe whether they're 90 percent 
versus 100% from before surgery, it's not really going to affect them on a day-to-day basis, right? But the problem where you run into is with these superb athletes where they notice a difference even from if they're only at 97% as opposed to 100%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can really tell if they're not at that 100% go um, because that's what he relies on is the power and push-off um, at the tackle position. And so it's certainly a concern, and it's certainly something that, you know, could be somewhat of a problem for him in the future. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center, talking Achilles injury. And we've touched on the Achilles injury before, but first time we've spent uh, in a long time talking about the offensive tackle spot. If you're to look at different positions, Dr. Ben, on the football field, uh, and, you know, do you have a, a an educated guess on on positions where you see more or most of the Achilles injuries. I don't hear about it a lot. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say that. I hear about it happening on the lines of scrimmage, the defensive or offensive players, but sometimes you hear more about or at least more publicity about a skill guy or a quarterback having it happen to him, but uh, I'd be surprised if there weren't more Achilles issues on the lines of scrimmage just because of how big and fast guys are getting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if there's any evidence or studies that suggest one position over the other is going to have um, a more likely risk to have an Achilles injury. But I think you're hitting the nail on the head there that, you know, certainly those more powerful type of jerking positions where you're really using that step off certainly certainly can have a higher risk. And with, you know, they have a bigger BMI. And so Mm -hmm. that places um, these athletes at risk just from that in itself. And so, you know, his biggest issue, like I said, is going to be just getting that strength back because the strength that he requires to do his job on a daily basis, you know, maybe a little bit different than a quarterback or, you know, even a speed type position player. A thought, what what are some, some exercises or strengthening that you can do from a preventative standpoint? Is there anything out there workout wise that the bigger guys on the lines of scrimmage can do, Dr. Ben, in your opinion? You know, a lot of these patients can get some Achilles tendonitis, and that might predispose them to an injury. Biggest thing for them is just to keep their calf mobile. Calf tightness can certainly lead to some of these injuries. And so, you know, keeping flexibility, um, keeping them, their bodies limber, you know, after they do strengthening, that's, you know, something that a lot of athletes and um, even weekend warriors forget to do is stretch. And so that's certainly something that can help prevent some of these injuries. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us uh, on Hale Varsity, a Jock Doc Wednesday talking Achilles injury. And uh, Dr. Ben, uh, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben, we'll do this again. Thanks for the time today. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks a lot. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff today. DiCaprio Boodle. Uh, get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating. Love, hate, or praise or criticism. We'll take it all. We uh, appreciate the feedback and uh, give us a rating and get a subscription to uh, Hail Varsity Radio. 
and uh, take the podcast with us. Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Reminder about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. And your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Okay, some business to tell you about. I am on the road tomorrow. I am flying out with uh, my brother to uh, Bryson City, North Carolina. You uh, may know the name. You may have loved the uh, the, the prognostications from a uh, family member, Cousin Dino, Dean Schmidt. We love him dearly. He's the best, uh, like a brother to my father. And uh, Cousin Dino's a guy that's been in my life a long, long time and so many fond memories. And uh, Cousin Dino's been uh, been battling like a warrior. We're going to go see Dino and uh, we're going to do the show Friday from uh, the, uh, the the mouth of the Smoky Mountain National Park, where Cousin Dino's at. Uh, him and Audrey, uh, just lovely. Love them to, to death. And we're going to go see and give Dino a big old hug. So we will be there Friday and, and also Saturday morning. So road shows for me to see a dear, beloved family member. And Dino's the, the biggest and best Husker fan and uh, he is uh, so awesome. So we are excited to get to go see him and spend some time with him. So that's where I'll be. I, I He will backhand me if I see him again and I call him a fill-in because he's not. But, but the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, is sitting in. You're going to the transfer portal. It's not, it's not going to the backup. <laughs> I, you know what? I will lose my job if I go get him <laughs> in the transfer portal. But uh, one of my favorite people and one of the most important people to me in broadcasting has been, uh, been Bill Dolman. And uh, you hear him every Friday. You'll hear him again Friday uh, with his normal 5 o'clock time slot. But he'll be hosting tomorrow from Casa de Dolman. So he'll be doing the show tomorrow. Tom Chattel's lined up. I will have a chat with Gary Barnett and Danny Burke. The Pride of Chicago will also get you your, your best bets when it comes to baseball and some NBA for the weekend. But uh, and, and a surprise average Joe sports show for ESPN listeners uh, for, for a lot of years. Mike Riley will tag team it with Bill Dolman in the 5 o'clock hour. So a special fun show Tomorrow, while I'm gone, Bill Dolman, bless his heart, is uh, going to be sitting in tomorrow. Okay, let's get you qualified one more time with the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. And uh, that's the grill from Capitol Patio and the Flame Shop, the $100 gift card to Campbell's, the $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. That is meat for your grill. Collar 9, you qualify now with the ESPN Lincoln Memorial Day kickoff 46637 7646637768008255865 caller 9 qualifies now you can use the 800 line can use the normal 466 but get in caller 9 the drawing for this grill the Campbell's gift card the Leon's gift card May 21st, Caller 9 now qualifies.